The Chiefs are off and running. It's OTAs. They're in full effect. And now the whole team's out there, at least, well, most of the team. What's new and what's happening? What can we expect today? I'm Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, friends and neighbors. It's Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com joining me today. We are going to go through all the observations at training. I'm sorry, OTAs, not training camp. I just can't wait for August, evidently. We're going to get there. But what's going on? Who looks a little bit different? And who has to show us something today? Uh, we're going to get into all of that. But thanks for making us your first listen here on Lockdown Chiefs, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for free on every platform, starting with YouTube and everywhere in the audio sphere. You can get it for free right now. Hit the like and the sub and the bell on YouTube if you would. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com, and RGR Football. Mr. Matt, Derek, the man on the beat. You guys get to go out tomorrow, but there's been a couple of things going on out there right now. Some number changes, some guys looking a little bit different. What's like the number one thing that stood out to you so far as the first two sessions of OTAs are in the books? Yeah, you know, usually, I mean, we go and get out there for the first time. And remember, this is the first time during OTAs in this first week of the, the phase three is the first time that we really get to see the veterans back onto the field, you know, after the offseason layoff. We've seen the rookies, you know, they're working minicamp and they've been around for a little bit. But this is the first time to see the veterans. So, yeah, it is um, who has slimmed down, who has gained weight season, who's changing number season uh getting it all and so yeah really that's the first thing i start looking for when our first day out there on wednesday that i'll be looking to see is like okay who looks a little bit slimmer who's packed on a few pounds who's working off to the side and maybe had a little bit of off-season work and you know who's who's ahead of you know schedule under recovery those are the things that i like to look for during the beginning of otas that's that's what i'm looking forward to as well especially once once you get to see who's not at full speed, who's doing X, Y, or Z. Uh, a couple of, of small things. Uh, Legere Sneed is out there, was available today. Uh, didn't look like he was participating with a helmet on, so I don't know what the designation is there. Haven't gotten an update. Um, it, staying with the DBs, uh, Chamari Connor's going to wear 27. Uh, with a helmet on, he looks like Rashad Fenton, so that should be an easy uh, connection to make. A couple of number changes you guys will want to know about, and that is, uh, Josh Williams has gone to two. That is a single digit. Um, we have a change for Lucas Niang from 67 to 77. He's got the futuristic uh, Darth Vader helmet going now, too. So, like, kind of a whole concept change for Lucas Niang. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. But this is all, like, the juxtaposition of, of new players coming onto the roster. These are the first couple of days to get out there, break a little sweat. This isn't too rigorous. But it's about learning who everybody is. I didn't know Donovan Smith was going to wear 79. Um, I didn't know that the players were going to change numbers. But, like, they're doing the same thing we are, right? Just trying to catch up. Yeah, you know, uh, exactly. I mean, and, and that's really what, you know, especially the way the Chiefs are doing OTAs now. You know, they have they've started to get back in the building over the last week or so. And so, you know, they're get, they've been a chance to kind of, you know, get the whole little, hey, good to see you again, what everybody's been up to and everything after doing virtual for the first couple of weeks of OTAs. So, you know, they've, they've got that chance. But with the way the Chiefs do things now, yeah, I mean, this is it's still a little bit of that. You know, you're certainly still meeting people. Absolutely. The veterans and the rookies are still kind of meeting each other for the first time. There's going to be times you just you meet somebody for the first time out on the field, um, especially for the offense and defensive guys. I mean, the first time you meet somebody might be when you line up across from them. Um, so you go, you got you see little handshakes and everything going back and forth and say, hey, you know, nice to meet you, bud. 
um, that's what, you know, I mean, to a big extent, you know, OTAs are about. I mean, certainly it's about starting to install the offenses and the defenses. You know, they're, they're, they get into the nuts and bolts of that already. Um, you know, depth chart already going to be starting to take some form. I mean, we'll have some questions absolutely for Andy Reid based on, on what we see in practice on Wednesday. So, you know, there'll be a few little nuggets like that that we're getting. But, yeah, I mean, a big part of right now is, is shaking off the rust. And that's certainly what the first week of OTAs is about. Yeah, you get up to speed. You do some walkthroughs. You're you're still doing some class work. Like you're sitting with your position mates, especially. <clears throat> but I think as it all comes together, this is where it just starts to gel. And I know that this, uh, from folks who don't know, Matt, like overall for me, this whole period, uh, and by session two, I mean day two of this particular phase of OTAs. We know there's a lot of them, but for me, this is experimentation time. Uh, we don't exactly know how everything's going to line up. They're they're trying some things. We're going to talk about the offensive line here coming up in the next segment and the wide receivers in particular in the segment after that because there is a lot of experimentation at those two positions, but there are some others as well. I think this is as much for the coaching staff to experiment on their concepts as it is to just evaluate the new players in particular, but how the players are working together as a whole. Does that ring true for you or is there less or more going on? No, it does ring true. And, you know, and the other thing, and, and, and I think certainly part of this is when you've got a veteran team like the Chiefs and, a, and, a, and first of all, a winning team, a Super Bowl champion team like the Chiefs is that one, you know, you don't have a lot of position battles. The Chiefs aren't like a lot of teams where there might be six different positions up for grabs. It's really not how the Chiefs are. I mean, if anything, there's only maybe a couple of places where you're thinking, okay, hey, is there a legitimate position battle here? Or is it more just jockeying for positions on the depth chart? I mean, by and large, that's where the Chiefs are. You know, we're not going to be looking into this, I don't think, and saying, hey, there's six guys that just won starting jobs in, in training camp. That's not the way that this team's built. Um, so right now, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is starting to do exactly those experimentations. You've got 13 practices between OTAs and the mandatory minicamp and June. And those 13 practices can tell you a lot about your team. And, you know, where you see the most experimentation, especially is, is on the defensive lines, the secondary receivers. I mean, those are really where you see a lot of the experiments because you want to see who plays well with each other, you know, who may be better cast in a certain position. And that's why, you know, Andy Heck likes to really rotate his offensive linemen to get them all experienced at different positions. Because one, you never know when you might get pressed into service, like Joe Tooney, all of a sudden you get kicked out the left tackle. Be nice if you had a couple of reps there at some point that you could lean on. But also, you know, it's just figuring out, you know, which which groups work the best. And no, they're not hitting. There, there's not, you know, pads on right now. They're not colliding. But you still get a sense of that chemistry. You still get a sense of the timing and the footwork and everything that's involved and, you know, how you work together. And and the coaches learn a lot about that. They learn a lot about the chemistry of the players this time of year. And increasingly, jobs are won and lost in these 13 practices. I mean, hey, training camp, it's not over with. But whoever does the best out of these 13 practices goes into camp as the starters and higher on the depth chart. And once you're there, it's hard to lose that unless you give it away. I think that's where the key comes in. And so some guys have to make some changes in order to get there. We're going to talk about who stood out, especially in the bigger units, offensive, defensive line, some wide receiver talk right after this. But the, the playoffs are heating up, and you all got to get in on it. Uh, kudos to the Nuggets for what they were able to pull off. But if you do want to get in on it, I want you to go check it out and make sure that you're at FanDuel because that's the number one place to get in the action because right now they're giving you a no-sweat first bet. That means you create account, make a first bet. If that bet doesn't win, 
You get up to $1,000 in bonus bets applied to your account that can help you bet again and come out a winner the second time. That's $1,000 in bonus bets available if your first bet doesn't win. There's no better place to get in all the action. NBA right now has the playoffs. There's a lot of sports coming around, and very, very soon we're going to be talking preseason games. So get into the actions at FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can see it down here below. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on for a no-sweat first bet, and you can get up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Check it out at FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA, the MLB, and most importantly, the NFL. Now, Matt, I'm not betting on anything in OTAs because I just I just don't trust it. I got to tell you. Guys have to change their body types. They have to change who they play next to. They have to, to change their roles sometimes. Just from a couple of days, what stands out? Whose who's changes stand out to you the most? Yeah, and, you know, really we're kind of going off some of the, the videos and the photos and everything that the, the Chiefs have shared thus far. And, you know, I tell you what, there's a couple of the offensive linemen that look a little bit different. Um, Lucas Niang really stood out to me. Maybe maybe it's the number change, 77, looks a little bit different too. Um, but he looked like slimming. he slimmed down, slimmed down a little bit. I mean, and that was something that, I mean, I think that to, to play the style of the Chiefs offensive line, I think I think Lucas could stand to have trimmed down a little bit. So um, last year I think he played a little bit heavier coming off the knee injury. Um, I'm not sure where he, he weighed in last year during the season. I, I'd be kind of curious to talk to him if he has slimmed down a little bit because it certainly does, looks like he has a little bit. Um, and, you know, this is his first really action back and probably the first time he's really felt anywhere close to 100% since that knee injury. You know, last year, you know, it, 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 he, was, he's, he was ready to go. I mean, certainly the Chiefs profess him medically ready. But there was no doubt. I mean, they, you know, they no one in, about with Lucas around him really felt like he was 100%. Now he should be. And so now that he is, he's probably in a little bit better football shape too. And, hey, this is the time of year for offensive linemen. This time of year you want to be slim because, you know, it's this is it's only going to go up from here. <laughs> right, yeah. There, there's no coasting at this point. I, I hope that that translates to the field too. Uh, I'd like to see, uh, honestly, a little bit more lower body musculature for him to recover from this particular injury. Uh, folks, we know it was a left knee uh, issue. I don't have the specific details because – People are stingy about giving giving out information, but uh, you can tell how that lines up. But lighter weight means that he can move his feet faster. Uh, so much as he's recovered from from the injury itself, right? I think that plays into much like the signing of Juwan Taylor and what we see from Wanya Morris being the draft pick. It all tells me, Matt, that it is drifting back towards the outside zone type based offense again. That maybe this experiment with playing power. Might be a thing of the past because I think what we see from this group of individuals that are at the tackle spots, they're more apt to play wide zone better than they are pinning and pulling and doing all the dirty stuff. Yeah, and and I think that they've even learned that a little bit about their interior guys, too, that even though I think everybody would agree that Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith have got nasty streaks, all that they need. They're also athletic guys, you know, and, and I think that the Chiefs were trying to live a little bit in both worlds, you know, a little bit in, in, in the zone world and a little bit of, you know, going gap when they needed to. And I'm not sure it ever really worked. I mean, you know, when they had when they tried to go that 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 approach and everything like that and go with some man blocking. I'm not sure it was really ever a big success for them. So, you know, their bread and butter is absolutely with zone runs. So I, I think you're probably are going to see them go a little bit more back to that because they do have a line that is built for it. And like I said, even the guys inside that, you know, do have a little bit more physicality to them, 
they're athletic too. So there's no reason why they can't execute that kind of game plan. And I, frankly, you get, I think we've seen it. You get Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey out on the edges on some guys they can pick on. They're going to pick on them. Yep. I'm happy for that. <laughs> I, I look forward to it. Uh, now, it's going to take a little getting used to. 74 is now your starter at right. That's Juwan Taylor. Uh, Donovan Smith appears to be wearing number 79. You can find him on the left-hand side. They're running with the ones, at least in the first couple of days. I'm interested to see if that changes up tomorrow, Matt, and maybe they give the vets a little bit of time off, get the younger guys in there. I guess it depends on how Lucas Niang is looking. Um, but along with him, Tegawanago is wearing 76. Uh, that seems like it's just about right. I'm really interested to see Wadi Morris. He's probably the top guy that I'm looking forward to putting eyes on eventually. That all said, this should rotate, right? If we don't see any movement, is that a negative sign that the young guys just aren't ready? It can be, um, especially this early. But, you know, one thing about, you know, Andy Reid and Andy Heck, especially on the offensive line, is that their philosophy has generally been, you know, one, they want rookies to earn their jobs and to push for it. So seeing rookies playing a lot early is not common. When you do see rookies playing a lot early, it's an incredibly good sign because it tells you that they think that they're ready all, all, already. Um, Creed Humphrey is a great example of that. Creed Humphrey came in as a starter day one of OTAs, his rookie season, and there was a reason. I mean, he was ready to be that guy, and he was that guy. Um, you know, So seeing veterans holding down jobs right now doesn't surprise anybody. Um, because they do like to let their you know the rookies compete for those jobs and 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 I mean and Andy Reid applies that to the rest of the offense too and the rest of the team. Um, Steve Spagnuolo maybe has a reputation for being that same way, um, but I've seen him I think you know alter quite a bit in the past, especially you know with a, you know getting a younger and younger roster every single year. Uh, I, I've seen him mix and match the rookies and young guys a little bit more. Great example last year was with the corners. I mean, he let mm. all of those guys rotate in there with the first team, and it wasn't and and they benefited from that. It wasn't just you know the one guy. It wasn't like Trent McDuffie. Here you're gonna you're gonna be with the ones. He let all of those guys get some reps in there, and that put them in good stead because all of those guys ended up being ready to play during the season. And so I, I fully expect that. Yeah, if you're if you're not seeing a young guy getting you know a lot of reps with the first and the second team right now, that can be an indication that they're a little behind. Um, but the more you see the young guys getting, and especially if they're getting a lot of looks early, that's a, usually a great sign for them. I'm I'm liking that as well. I, I, just from observations, a couple here on the defensive side: uh, DiCaprio Boodle, uh, Jalen Watson r- rotating in. Um, in particular, uh, along with Joshua Williams, uh, with Sneed and Reed. So you got to think that that's obviously with the ones get a good rotation there. Again, continuing that trend from last OTAs. Um, Charles Menehu looks to be in fabulous shape from what I've seen. My only qualm is that uh, I seem to see uh, a number of things where he's dropping into space, which I'm not really digging right now. If he's in frame with Willie Gay, that's a problem for me. But, uh, you know, it's a starting point, right? It, it absolutely is and hey you never know what they're working on that day you know so sometimes context helps um but hey hey we all know steve spagnuolo is gonna ask ask his guys to drop back in coverage every once in a while so get used to it all right i will try i want to talk about the pass catchers because there's sixteen thousand of them in this group and i think that's a good thing it's wearing more and more on me we're going to get to that right after this so, Matt, I can't even keep up with all the numbers. I'm not sure all the wide receivers have numbers assigned yet, so I'm not even going to go there. But I think a continuation of what we saw in April with 
Patrick down in Texas. We saw a little bit of information from Sky Moore come out this week about some of the training they have been doing. I think there's plenty to go around about making some observations about who could this be. I'm really intrigued by what happens with the spot that Mike Burton and, and Sherm used to hold in. If they're not going to go with it, and I think if Andy was set on having a fullback on the roster, there'd be one on this roster that we know and love. I don't think it would be a couple of journeyman OTA tryout type guys. So my question to you is, given that there's a, a lot of talent, but again, projecting Kadarius Tony is still a projection. There's no true number one on this roster, in my opinion. Could they keep seven because of this and just go with a, a bigger, deeper wide receiver core? Entirely possible. I mean, when you when you think about, you know, not carrying a fullback, you know, it, it does factor into, you know, where do you think that position could go? I mean, the Chiefs have, you know, they've covered, they've carried six wide receivers at times last year, uh, a lot of the season last year. And, you know, with the practice squad really have been able to extend it almost to seven or eight, it feels like. Um, it brings up the question about how many tight ends. I mean, Chiefs, you would think at this point, are absolutely going to carry four tight ends, barring any injuries. So four, six, okay, now how many running backs? You know, are you going to carry maybe an extra running back if you're not going to carry a fullback? You know, is that three or four running backs that you're carrying now? That's 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 where it impacts the most. And I mean, I definitely think it's a player on the offensive side. I don't think you're dropping a fullback because you want to carry an extra linebacker or an extra corner. I mean, that might end up being uh, how it shakes out on, on some weeks, you know, depending on the flow of the mm -hmm. roster. But no, I mean, I, I do think you're talking about keeping an extra offensive player. And, if the, and, and frankly, with the Chiefs, and the way that they're structured, I could absolutely make the case for maybe keeping seven wide receivers to start the season. I mean, there's going to be a tough battle. I mean, mm -hmm. like I said, this is not necessarily a battle at the top. I mean, I think you kind of know who the, the top receivers are going to be, who the, you know, or at least the first three or four that are going to make this roster. Um, it's the five, six, and then seven, eight, depending on how far you go and how before you get to the, the practice squad, all those guys are going to play. I mean, the Chiefs are going to have eight or nine receivers from this group that probably make the roster and the practice squad and are going to see snaps this year. And it's that group beyond the first really three or four that it could go either way. I mean, you could see a guy that may be number 12 right now on the roster, maybe have fights their way all the way up to number five. I mean, that's how competitive it's going to be. And I'm not sure that there's any clear cut favorites at this point. I mean, obviously guys who can play special teams and, uh, you know, I was intrigued to certainly see Richie James looks like he was maybe getting some return opportunities that's going to be a place where some people can make their mark too. So we'll see, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested in this wide receiver group and see how it all shakes out because right, right now it's about who can develop the chemistry with Mahomes the fastest and pick up the offense. I, I think from what we've seen in the off season and clearly what we know has gone on in the past, MVS Kadarius Tony are, are going to be mainstays. I think we're all comfortable with that. Um, my, my intriguing takeaway from what I see from the wide receivers early in these couple of OTA sessions is that Sky Moore has graduated. He's getting like specific attention from Andy Reed in this offense. And for me, that's a delineation point. It's one thing if you're getting, you know, as a second year player, uh, coached up by your position coach, uh, do they have an assistant wide receivers right now? I don't think that they do. I'm trying to remember the top of my head. I can't remember that they do. I can look it up real quick. Well, you probably know better than I do, whether you're looking or not, but that that's one kind of attention. That's one kind of development. When you're getting the head coach, play caller, play designer 
going one-on-one with this is how you're going to attack X, Y, or Z, that tells me there's a bigger investment in the offense for that particular player. Because I don't see that from Andy Reid every training camp practice. Uh, You obviously are at more practices than I am, especially in the OTA session. Am I making a mountain out of a mole here? here? No, I don't think you are. I mean, and let's be honest, there is a lot on Sky Moore this year. I mean, this is the year that he is expected to make a big jump. And part of that is that, you know, he's got to be able to do what the Chiefs ask of their receivers, which is to play multiple roles. It's not just to have your part of the package of the playbook. you got to be able to understand all 400-odd pages of it. I mean, you've got to be able to understand all three positions. So, you know, whereas last year, you know, Sky Moore might have been limited down to, say, a couple of hundred options in that playbook. Now he's going to have like 1200 that he needs to know and understand. And that's just, I mean, it's reality playing the chiefs offense. I mean, that's, that's, that's how it has to go. And as a rookie, they absolutely limited the workflow a little bit. I mean, they, they put more and more on him as the season went on because they felt like he could handle it. But now, I mean, it's definitely going to be fire hose time because they're going to be asking, you know, Sky Moore to be doing the things that he wasn't doing last year. And that is going to be a little bit of attention sometimes from the big guys. I mean, yeah, there's going to be times that Andy Reid and this time of year, I mean, this is really the only time you get a chance to teach in, in, in the NFL. This, this time of year is it. Because once you get to training camp and especially into the season, you're not in teach mode. I mean, you're in coach mode at that point. You're you're about just getting everything done and making sure all the everything is fine tuned. This is the time of year where you can have that instruction, where you can take a player off to the side and say, "Hey, you know what? This is what you need to do in these situations." And you know, and Andy Reid certainly he sees something on the field. He will take one of his offensive guys aside and say, "Hey, here, you know, here's what you're doing good. Here, here's where you need to work." You know, he, he absolutely gives them that advice. And uh, frankly, there there is nothing bad in my mind when Andy Reid gives you some attention because you know who the, you know who the guys who he ignores the guys who don't deserve attention, right? That's the way that it goes at this level. I'm looking forward to see who gets that and what it looks like tomorrow, folks. Make sure you stay with us because we're here five days a week. We'll have Matt back next week. There's going to be a number of practices between now and then, so things can change, and they most certainly will. We'll talk about the veterans that maybe we're not seeing out there yet and what we're going to expect. So please make sure you like, sub, hit the bell here on Locked on Chiefs. Check out another Locked on Show for your next listen. You everydayers, we're calling them locos, Matt. Uh, they name themselves through the, the Twitterverse. Um, that's Locked on Chiefs official subscribers. So uh, for Beautiful. all of you locos, yeah, right? It works perfect. For all you locos out there, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to start looking at top five positional things around this roster and who can be that person i'll break it down tomorrow make sure you're liking subs so that you see all of that thanks for spending your time with us today matt thanks for your time hey and i'll make sure i got some good nuggets for you next week and from practice that can share with all of you well i like nuggets thank you for that and thank you guys for listening we'll talk to you tomorrow